Social Cohort, also known as Adelphi's Students for Change. So we've just ended January, which was declared as National Slavery and Human Traffic Prevention Month. Um, and we're now in the month of February. So let's take a moment to pay homage to Black History Month, as well as those who have experienced trauma as a result of human trafficking. Uh, my name is Melissa. My name is Saima Sanchez. Hi, everyone. I'm Ricardo Rodin. I'm Mona Whitaker. I'm Lauren Bear. I'm Rene Sheehan. I'm Kevin Lewis. And I'm Professor Peggy Noel. So um, I was looking at an article um, dated for April 16, 2018 uh, New York, in the New York Post. I'm just gonna read a short story and I want you guys to tell me what you think about it. When Alexis was 14, she had a kitten but couldn't care for it and asked a stranger on the street to take care of it. He was a neighborhood pimp and he managed to get into a conversation with me about a party that he was going to and that a famous celebrity, Meek Mill, was gonna be there. So he asked me if I'd like to go. The pimp told Alexis to come back that night in heels and sexy clothes. He said he also needed racy pictures of, of her for the party's VIP list. He gave her a cup of sparkling wine in the car on the way to the party. And suddenly I felt like my jaw was like locked. I started getting like hot, Alexis said. The hustler brought her to a Yonkers motel room where men were waiting to pay to rape her. Having seen ads he made with the photos on backpage.com. The pimp encouraged Alexis to slide into the loop, um, a word that he used for prostitution, and she reluctantly agreed. At that moment, my mom and my sister, were we were both struggling to pay rent um, and even struggling to pay food. Prior to that, all the apartments we had, we used to get evicted um, for not being able to pay rent on time. Alexis said she spent the next two years being trafficked and escaped only when a friend told her of the sanctuary, a Westchester shelter run by the Children's Village. So um, my question is, do you feel like this is human trafficking, sex trafficking? Yeah, if she was forced, if there was any coercion, it was, to me, it is, I would say so. I agree with Mona. It sounds like, I mean, she was brought to the party under like false pretenses, but, and even though like, you could make the argument that she agreed to work for the pimp she did so like after being coerced by him yeah that's my argument it sound consensual to me it sounds consensual so do you think it's do you think it's like prostitution rather than yeah yeah, yeah. definitely it sounds like uh, she went into sex work to for survival but she was underage remember she said she's only 14 so like what you know like what rational life decisions could she make for herself at that age that's where I'm at, at her age is what plays Yeah, she's 14. Part. She can't legally consent anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why this is so important because there's, it's, there is a lot of confusion with what is sex trafficking, what is, um, you know, and just where, where is the line, where is the line drawn? And I, I don't know. I know that it's, it's difficult because we have so many young people today that are moving faster in age, moving beyond where some of us have been you know, earlier, like you have 14 year olds that are living lives of like older women or so it is kind of hard to figure out where they where they're consenting and where they're not consenting. Um, but there's laws. So, so you know, you have to look at the laws. So like I, I read an article from the um, United Nations and the United Nations states that uh, there are three um, elements of human trafficking, the act, 
the means and the purpose. So back to the 14-year-old, I mean, she was in the act, recruitment, transportation, transfer, the means for funds, abuse of power, and the purpose, she was exploited. And the person used her, so I think it's human trafficking. Oh yeah, no, I think we need to. Go, I think we should go back to what Mona said about changing the laws. I think, um, I, um, you know, we should probably even think about looking into sex work and it being like uh, illegal um, in the U.S. I, I think it might be time um, because I, I, it, it may it may uh, lower um, the trafficking rates. I, I don't know. I, it may. I was I, I read an article about. Um, a proposed bill to decriminalize sex work in New York and also an article about how sex work was recently decriminalized in Washtenaw County in Michigan. And both were done for that reason so that it could be easier to make a distinction between what is consensual sex work and what is trafficking. And also right now, people who were, who are survivors of sex trafficking have a criminal record for engaging in prostitution. And so they, in the proposed bill in New York, they wouldn't have a criminal record anymore, which seems like a good thing because then that opens up employment opportunities or they won't experience discrimination from having that record. Yeah, that, and if it's, re- if it's regularized, I mean, when we, when we talk about STIs and, 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 and stuff like that, I think we could regulate, we, you know, we'd be able to encourage more testing um, with, through sex work and things like that. I, I know like countries that have red light districts have like the lowest um, like STI and HIV rates. So from that perspective, I think um, like Amsterdam for, you know, just coming to me or Spain, you know, their HIV rates is, is so low um, and red light district and, and sex work is legal. Can we look at it from the frame? Cause we already have a state, right? We have now two states, right? We have Nevada where sex work is legal and are the rates there low? Are the sex trafficking rates there low? In Nevada, the, the sex trafficking rates are still high. They're still in the, one of the top 10 cities um, where the rates is high. They're, they're at almost 1,500. Um, Chicago, too, and California. Mm-hmm. In New York, New York, we're at 3,074. So if the argument is that legalizing sex work, which I think should be legal for so many other reasons, um, by the way, but if we're looking at that, is that an argument? Like if we distinguish what's sex work versus what's sex trafficking, are, are, is it really going to minimize um, the, the risk of people being trafficked? I, I think that it helps. I really don't think it's going to minimize it because people are being smuggled without documents across the borders. Yes. So it could probably be minimized amongst the U- U.S., but I, I still think we're going to have at least 10, 10 people trying to come in weekly from other countries because it doesn't just stop in the United States, but we can fight it. I think that maybe the only argument that could be made that it would help is that we would be like reallocating resources to something that should be dealt with and is a more um, immediate danger to people. Cause if we're, we're re- wasting resources punishing people who are engaging in sex work consensually when we could be worrying about people who are victims of human trafficking. Yeah. I mean, cops can even arrest you um, for having too much condoms on you. Like that, you know, in certain, 
in certain places. So it, we do definitely need to distinguish between um, sex work and, and human trafficking and, and looking to legalize. you for having too many condoms on you? Yeah, you never, yeah, this, this, this has been the case. It's been a long, the, with, when we're pushing HIV prevention, you know, that's one, that was one of the biggest things where, you know, you have, if you have too much um, condoms on you, people, uh, they'll think that you're, you're doing sex work. So that's why a lot of our, our clients back in the days didn't want to take that many condoms. You, you've never heard of this? And, and, <laughs> no. and I'm the only one that is like sitting here open mouth. I have never. No, I am too. Because I was thinking, what if you're the person on the streets giving out the condoms, you know? That makes yeah. zero sense to me. You, we're arresting people for practicing. In New York? Yeah. That, that is, was, this that was law still, is this law still, still relevant? No, they, is this still happening? They, in the books? They, they decriminalized it, but that's been happening a lot. That, that was a big thing with the condom. What year is this, Ricardo? Huh? What year was this? Uh, I mean, a few years ago. It was it was fairly recent. It was fairly in this the two thousand ten. This is this this is this is a long time thing happening. We could we can look that up always. It's always been a thing. I am googling so, as we speak. I'm yeah. shocked. I'm sitting here, open. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure now you know now not as not as much, but yeah, you could you could be charged with prostitution for um having too much condoms on you. Condoms yeah. as, as evidence of prostitution in four cities. This is in. <sighs> yeah, it's a thing. It was in 2019. Step sex workers in July 2019. Sex workers won a major victory um, in California. Mm -hmm. They could. Wow. <sighs> I am in shock. I did not know that. <sighs> Oh my God. Okay. What an excuse for people to get arrested. Yeah, reallocating resources is certainly a thing uh, here in this, in this case, because for sure we do not need to have people arrested just because they have a number of, a certain number of condoms on them. It, it was just ironic because these states is pushing big on STI and like prevention, but yet you get like arrested. Like, and it's up to the cops' to discretion, which we always know um, that's an issue. So, yeah. I think that that's really interesting, but thanks for bringing that up. So we still have to try to, we still need to talk about, um, like, finding that, that in line between, is it, is it sex trafficking or the whole idea of, you know, giving um, credence to this, like, yes, you know, let's just make it legal. Because there's still that, the factor of sex trafficking and you know young young women being taken how you know how does that play out with if we whether it being legal or not how do we keep from dealing with that big problem because it's still a big problem sex trafficking is it's crazy and there's children i mean just not even recently i mean since just before the pandemic i remember everyone walking around through Walmarts and people posting things where people were trying to take their children and everyone was almost in like a panic. I mean, my kids, I had them like right next to me, like, because the fear is real and it's scary. So how do well, we I was thinking about that. Even like, we don't have agreement among this group as to whether that first story was sex trafficking or if that would be considered consensual sex work. So on a large scale, it would be really difficult to define. And in industries like, 
the pornography industry or types of sex work that are legal, um, there's still exploitation and there's still coercion. And so how would we keep it from being, um, how could we define sex trafficking separately in a way that keeps people safe? Mm -hmm. That wouldn't be easy to do. Well, I don't, I, I think that the age was very clear that clearly made, there are two things that happen in that story, right? We're talking about, she was drugged, right? In the glass of wine that first she was given a glass of wine. <laughs> Second, she was drugged. Uh, and clearly the story indicated that she was gang raped by several men based on an ad he posted on Backpage. What happens after that, of course, is, is now what was, it becomes confusing, but the initial part of it is clear and distinct, right? For me, at least, that this was clearly sex trafficking. He put her in a position where she became so vulnerable. She's already vulnerable being a 14 year old, but put her, on, put her in a position where she was so vulnerable that um, she was getting raped. Yeah, yeah, I think there's like, like, yeah, yeah, I really believe that. Like, they'd be selling organs and stuff on, on the black market because that, that was an issue with, like, you know, kidnapping black children and stuff like that and selling their organs. Do you think that's that's true? Because I don't, that's just weird. I don't know. I think there's a black market out there selling organs and all that. I've always heard about it, but I don't know if I've ever really completely believed it. I just was like, oh, really? I don't, I'm, I'm it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like a myth because we've never, none of these people have been taken down and we found, you know, freezers of organs yet. That's just crazy. I don't know. Well, the, the, they, selling organs on the black market is a real thing. I, you know, they do say that. And um, there was someone that was arrested, a young black man that was arrested and they would not, um, he was incarcerated and when the family wanted to see him, he was later found dead and none of his organs, I cannot remember the story, but I'm going to Google it while we're talking because I want to make sure that I am getting it correct. So, um, I never even thought about that. Of the organ issue, they also, you know, there's many forced marriages as well. So can you think about how many young girls were forced to be married and had to make decisions that they never wanted to make, and now they're just being tortured and abused and sold off? In the in the United States, you mean, Saina? It's happening in the U.S. too. People think that it just happens in different countries. However, it's just happening. It's happening right here where we lay our head at. Amongst blacks too, when we think it's just in El Salvador and um, Mexico, it's happening right here in the Beacon of Hope. It's happening right here in the U.S. So there are three. There are three stories that I'm looking at where um, there was a young man in California. He was a model, and um, he vanished, and his body was found with missing organs. I don't know why we're talking about the organs right now, but and another oh, it's still man, part of human trafficking. And another young man, um, Kendrick Johnson, who was killed in 2013, also in in the state of Georgia. He he um, 
was found on a gym mat and the, the parents suspected foul play because his organs were missing. And the other young man mm -hmm. that I was just telling you about, I can't see this article, hold on. And he also arrested organs missing. Oh, there's more stories. And there's another woman, um, young girl, 15 years old, also missing, body dead and mutilated, organs missing. I don't know. But org organs being sold on the black market have been a thing for a long time. Melissa's still side-eyeing this comment. Because I'm like, an FBI never cracked the case yet? Not one case? I, I, I'm just telling you, organs on the black market have been a thing for a very long time. That has been a thing. But, you know, I get it. Because there's just crazies out here. Maybe somebody just took these onesie twosies organs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just, you know, I'm just saying, like, I don't understand how it, how we didn't see this big crackdown where we see them going into a warehouse and we see um, this big bust, how they do the drugs. I mean, they find stuff, they, they, they investigate and they find stuff, they, they, found, they find girls, they find drugs. Why haven't they found these organs? Why? <laughs> it's a hoax for Melissa. <laughs> I just Googled something. It says that they're taking tissue and organs. Google, our best friend. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Muscle tissue and nerve tissue and connective tissue. So, so in terms of sex trafficking, what do you guys think can be done to help address these issues? We've already ruled out legalizing sex work, although it should be legal for other reasons. Um, when I did my research, I found uh, this project. It's called the Polar, uh, the Polaris Project. And what they do is they're uh, a leading data-driven social justice movement that helps to fight sex and uh, labor trafficking. Um, and they're, they basically what they do is they serve victims and survivors through the National Human Trafficking Hotline. So maybe making mm. people more aware of these kind of, that there are people who are working towards helping people who have been uh, sex trafficked. And stuff like that, but like just getting the word out and just having more places build up statistics will show people that, that this is happening and it has to change. I was listening to The Breakfast Club one morning because I listened to The Breakfast Club when we all used to go to work and commute every day. What a beautiful thing. But um, that, the, there was another woman, there was a woman, I'm trying to find her name right now, who also works in Atlanta, um, where they say is the largest city that is impacted by sex work, sex trafficking work, um, sex trafficking, sorry. And, um, and as a result of her being um, sex trafficked as a teenager, she now has an underground business where she, so she um, helps, um, I guess, free sex, sex trafficker, persons who have been sex trafficked from um, continued victimization. So we have the Polaris Project, 
we have different like individuals doing some work what what else do we what else can we do well i looked up some things about i i just some basic things like this dispelling like the myths of trafficking i think that's where we get back to the beginning of our conversation like what some people believe what some people don't believe but like dispelling some of the myths like does it even happen here in the U.S.? There's still people that don't really believe that it even happened here. Um, uh, and uh, let's say, um, and are the victims always poor people? Are they always people that are destitute and don't have, so they end up going into that, end up getting into that lifestyle because they don't have. Um, but it's not the case. It's any age, race, gender, nationality, socioeconomic background can be victims of um, human trafficking. And, you know, there's myths that victims don't, like, they were saying, like, why don't they seek help? They're out in the community. Why don't they look for somebody to help them or to get out? And a lot of times they don't realize they're forced by different things. It may not always be physical force. It can be that they have uh, threats on their families back at home or um, uh, IDs that are taken or money that's taken. There's different ways to coerce some of these young ladies and some of these women. Some of them are grown women. But there's different things that are keeping some of these women in that area. So it's not always just about like, oh, they're doing it because they just have to find a means to be able to live. There's, there's usually something behind it. So I think yes, we need to find ways to help dispel some of these myths so people can really see that it really is a serious problem. Um, and being able to identify when human trafficking is really happening. Like um, the working conditions, looking at some of the verbal and physical abuses that are happening. It could be something... There's, I think there was a house in our area that was just a clean house. Nobody really realized that it was really a sex trafficking house, basically. Um, but because it's a house in a pretty decent area, we have to look at some of those things like working conditions. What are those women doing over there? Are they working? Are they getting really a, a paycheck? Are they being withheld? Um, just looking at the behaviors and the physical state of the victims. Like, why are they looking like they're abused? Are they showing any signs? Um, even the behaviors of the traffickers, um, are they putting limitations on some of these women? Uh, we just have to look more, our eyes open and see what's really happening in front of us. And if we can do that, then we can start putting it out to people that this is real. So that's, that's, what, that's what I think. That's one place to start. Yeah, uh, on that, I, I want to say I had a client when I was working in the shelter who was from Honduras. And she was working on a job where she was forced to act in sexual encounters just to receive her paycheck. And I know it seems like, you know, we would say, okay, I, I quit, you know, but this person didn't quit. She continued to complete the sexual favors because she knew she had to take care of her family. So I just want to say that it is real. And sometimes you may not even think it, it would be your employer. So it really does happen. I think I think on what uh, uh, Mona was saying, like just going back to like this village concept where like everyone, you know, you see something, say something type situation. Because we, I mean, I know I've I've seen like random things happen in the neighborhood, like kids like you know out by themselves and stuff like that. Or you you'll know the parent and not say anything because everyone is just, you know minding their business, etc. But I think if we get back to the idea of like, listen, this that's that's my kid as well like that's my neighbor that's my kid we should um um that that'll prevent it i, I think just all this everyone just just look we're looking out for each other um i think that will definitely prevent um these these yes. 
I've been in. Um, so That's yeah. That's the old so. saying: it takes a village to raise a family, to raise a child. It takes a village. Definitely. I mean, even if you see something that's out of the ordinary with like an adult, like I think our eyes were opened when we got to see like the R. Kelly series and got to see how these people was away from their families for so long without any communication. I mean, normally they would hear from, you know, their loved ones. They didn't hear from them from these like extended period of time. And um, instead of maybe reporting it or saying something, they never, they never said anything. I, I think that that right there in itself was like a, um, a red flag also that I mean for anybody who didn't get to see the series I watched it from beginning to end and it was definitely an eye-opener um, to see how even adults could be you know manipulated coerced and you know just from the celebritism. Did you think that was sex trafficking? Would you identify that as sex trafficking? I feel like it definitely was coercion. They, it, they, was, they was in a sex house. They, they, I mean those weren't normal living conditions at all. Um, those weren't, you know, they were, they weren't, um, they weren't in a relationship. That wasn't a normal relationship. That was a sex house. They were his sex slaves. But many of the girls that were sex slaves, well, many of the girls were consented to it. Even though they were under the age, their mothers allowed them to go and do such activities. No, even, so that's what no, I was even the adults initially consented, but then they couldn't leave. They could not leave the house. Like once they realized, okay, this is not what I signed. They could not leave, even if they wanted to. The mother. Okay, thing, so the mother. What thing, I saw, they, they had the ability to leave, but they didn't want to. The mother thing is controversial. We have two parents, but um, people also have their own decisions. Um, exactly. I I don't want to perpetuate. I don't want to perpetuate a mother-driven, um, <laughs> a mother-driven issue. But I will. I will say that given, given the context of what um, Kevin was mentioned earlier with, what, what was it, act, means, and, act, means, and, uh, I forget the last word that he used in the beginning, but he, um, he did say coercion is one of the things, but these, there's also, you know, these, this situation was very specific to one individual and I f it, it feels more like an abuse situation versus a sex trafficking situation because sex trafficking in the definition means to um, force this person to have sex so that for power and for means, correct? They weren't getting yeah, it. He, was, he, he wasn't benefiting from any um, financial means from them. They weren't making money from him. They were specifically there to meet his sexual, you know, his sexual fantasies and his, you know, deviant sexual needs. Right. But so then we're agreeing that it wasn't sex trafficking or we disagree. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. Like we can. I feel it was sex trafficking. Okay. They thought they were signing. No, he was their pimp. So. Yeah. But what, what financial gain would there, was what there? There was none. I know he took care of them. If they was there for no, all these things, they all was considering themselves to be a girlfriend at one point. They all didn't come in as just being um, held against their will. They girls was in a relationship with R. Kelly or soon to be in a relationship with R. Kelly. No, but for and him to be called a pimp, he would have to have, you know, he would have to have benefited some fun. Some, some I know, well, I don't know. I guess he benefited from the sex, but I know he took yeah, care definitely. of the girls financially. So that was his benefit sex. 
Well, clearly, um, Rini mentioned this earlier, that this clearly is, we, we clearly need to like define what sex trafficking look like looks like, because even in this instance where we're having conversation about the same documentary that many of us here saw, and we still don't know whether there was, if that's distinctly sex trafficking or not. Unfortunately, we're out of time for this week. Um, but before we go, we have one more resource, which is the Human Trafficking Hotline. So if you call by phone, it's one 373 7888 You can send a text to 233 either say help or info, and that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it's available in English, Spanish, and 200 other languages. And there's also a website, humantraffickinghotline.org. So you can go to any of those resources. If you know someone or suspect someone is a victim or you, you do see something that you think is, is suspicious. And join us next week for another interesting topic. We'll talk to you all then. Bye.